You are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Check, check, check. That was terrible. <laughs> it did not, you did not make it work. so bad. That was terrible. That was such a I bad sermon. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Modern Parables podcast. I am one of your hosts, Tyler Sanders. We are so excited to be back with you and jump into a whole bunch of other random topics and God's word. I am joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Isaac and Noah. It's good to be back. Yes, it is. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, last week we had a guest, Nick Brock. Great who, guy. Oh, great Phenomenal. guy. I love Phenomenal. Nick. Great dude. Love Phenomenal. Nick. Phenomenal. Nick has... Jo- <laughs> Who's this fourth voice? Who's this guy over here? I don't Nick, know. Nick has joined... We'll get to that fourth voice here in just a second. Uh, our, uh, our, our buddy Nick, friend of the show, has joined on as a producer who is sitting behind all the cameras doing all the switching. So we want to welcome Nick as a producer of the Modern Parables podcast. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fourth voice joining us here to my right. Fourth wheel. Fourth wheel in it. Uh, this is Dr. Edward Shigley II. Dr. Reverend. Reverend Dr. Edward ex, Shigley. Ex-coach. Reverend Dr. Thanks. Edward H. Shigley II. Welcome to the show. It's good to be on the show. I'm excited about today and talking about modern prayer bowls. That's right. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do uh, for work? You know, what have you done in the past? And maybe what what uh, what uh, digital media are you a part of at the mm, current moment? Great question. So I am the current director of Indiana West University. So I get the opportunity to mentor the next generation of pastors, which is an amazing process. And then secondly, to your question, um, Charlie Alcock and I do a podcast called Good Days with Eddie and Charlie. So check us out on your favorite media podcast. Yeah, podcast streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, so good. The Good Days podcast is uh, top 25% in the world. Whoa. Yeah. I know it's wild, isn't it? It's pretty wild. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's crazy. So thank you for joining the show. Thank you for all that you do for the next generation of pastors. And we're excited to jump in. You've preached a sermon or two in your day, right? Yeah, a couple. A couple. Yeah. So (laughs) we're going to get into all of that here in just a second. He just has one sermon that he has perfected. That's it. Over and over again. That's that's all you need. That's all you need. So I understand you brought a scripture for us. I have. I brought a pastor's scripture for us to speak from. And this is what I call a softball toss. Oh, boy. All right. Okay, because oh boy. this is going to be, this can go in a lot of different directions. It's going to be very easy for us to do all kinds of different illustrations. Because we need easy. We, well, we're, this, is, this is a brand new season. That's right. Okay. Brand new podcast. So 1 Corinthians. Oh, that book. Chapter 9, verses 24 no no and way. 25. No way. <laughs> He was there. He opened it, and oh my goodness, that's providence. The Lord's good. He's a cheater. Amen. Twenty-four and twenty-five. Twenty-four and twenty-five. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to read it? Yes, please. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter nine, starting with verse twenty-four. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. It's mm. good. It's good. It's a great passage of scripture right there. Absolutely. Right. The word of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thanks be right. to God. That's right. You kick us off? I didn't you want to kick I us did, off? I didn't hit the button yet. Oh, that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. I'll, hit, I'll hit the button Dong. first. There we go. Oh, All right. boy. Oh, boy. So, uh, and for those that watched the first episode and are confused with what button we're talking about, we have a, a nice buzzer here in the middle uh, that we're going to <laughs> use to control our speech a little bit so we don't keep talking over each other. So, I have, <laughs> I have hit the buzzer first, so I will go first. So... You know, as soon as as soon as I hear this passage of scripture, I'm reminded of the Olympics in the 30s. Mm. So there's a famous runner, famous story of Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens, an African American uh, long distance runner. Or he was a sprinter. Sprinter. It's okay. Uh, you know, I can't get all the details right. Mm, I'll fill it in. Wasn't Thank he also you. a there jumper as well? I think so. I think long jump. Think he did long jump. Yeah. There's yeah. a movie. There's a movie about it called Race. Yep. Yeah. So so for those that don't know. Uh, and fact check me if I'm wrong, but in the 1930s, I'm not sure exactly which year, but in the 1930s, 1936 Olympics, the 1936 Olympics were hosted in Nazi Germany, Berlin, Berlin, Germany. So Hitler is presiding over Mm -hmm. the Olympic games present totally and completely. And if if you know anything about Adolf Hitler, it's that he was a notorious racist Mm -hmm. and a killer, genocidal maniac, all of that stuff. But, he hated the idea of Jesse Owens being mm-hmm. front and center in this Olympics. But long story short, Jesse Owens wins. What does he win? Do you, uh, I think gold? he wins the, the gold and the 100, 200, and long jump. I think he won three gold yeah, medals. Yeah, he, he won three. So he he was a superstar. So he is on the top of this podium, this African-American man who's trained. He's done everything he can to be the superstar athlete, to win in the Olympics, to show up. Adolf Hitler in this race. He wins this race. He wins the gold. In our lives, I know, and we do that quick switch real quick. So in in our lives, in our lives, we run this race. We run it by the power Mm -hmm. of Christ. All of this training we've put in, all of the grace of God that's poured upon us, and we can get to the end of the race, having all of this accomplishment in this race, and the devil hates it. Mm-hmm. We stick it right in his face that we're running this race and we're not going for a crown mm-hmm. of this earth. Mm-hmm. We're not going to put notches in our belts as pastors. We don't, you know, count souls as a way to make sure we're good pastors, right? And as just general Christians, we don't, you know, put notches in our belt every time we do a good thing. But we mm-hmm. run that race for the Lord, we run it for him in his power. And we and we do it partially to show the devil that he sucks. <laughs> Dang I like that! Hit it! Don't. Ah, he beat me to it. <laughs> I'm just so quick. Speaking of quick, Usain Bolt. Oh, yeah. Let's oh, there, Usain Bolt. The who runners who of all is time. Usain Bolt for Usain those that Bolt live under a rock? He's from he's from Jamaica, and he's one of the fastest people ever, ever, mm. ever. Right. Yes, I don't even know how many gold medals this man has, but he has set so many records. He breaks his own records over and over, right? And he runs a lot of things, but what he's most famously known for is the 100-meter dash mm-hmm. just because of how fast he is. But I remember one time reading a quote from him, um, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but the idea is this. He goes, I train my entire life 
for nine seconds. Mm. And he talks about, you only see the nine seconds, but you don't see, like, the hundreds of hours waking up, going to bed late, like, doing all these things. The discipline, the self-control that it talks about in mm-hmm. the in the latter verse. And I'm just reminded of, like, he has these nine seconds of, like, success, right? Well, like, it carries on, correct. But when he's striving for this prize, it's, is nine seconds in front of everybody, and everybody sees the success for that for those nine seconds. And I'm just reminded with us that many times people get discouraged because they don't see those monetary success, mm. right? They put in all these things but only receive one thing. But it's, it's this push where he does all this, and he has to remain faithful in all that he does to achieve those things mm-hmm. in nine seconds, mm-hmm. even that one time or something like that. But then the, in the in the Christian life, it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing all this to receive all this recognition. Or like some people will look at youth groups or what you're doing, and if it's adding numbers, if it's adding hundreds by the day, oh, God must be there. Well, if you've saved, if you've baptized all these people, God must be working through you. But what about the people that have only saved like one person right. or like been instrumental in that? But at the end of the day, they've been faithful, right? They've been faithful. And well done, good and faithful servant. You sh- That's the prize that we're striving for, right? right? And so your whole life could be this discipline, this these faithful deeds that you follow the Lord in all that he says and that he commands to do, that you're obedient. But you only save one person? But that's not that's not how we determine success. And so, like, I think of these runners, and it's like they discipline their bodies and are faithful to the practice their entire lives for a short moment. And, but the difference is, like, with those short moments here, ours will rain on for eternity, and that's mm-hmm. what it hits in the, in the latter part of this saying. We run for something that will last for eternity that's while good. everybody, like somebody like Usain Bolt or like any athlete or anybody striving to be the best at something to receive that fame to that, that glory, right? They will discipline their body for their entire lives mm-hmm. for something that's going to fade away. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Like right. Usain Bolt isn't in everyday mm-hmm. conversation. Right. Yeah. And he's past his prime now. Yeah. And he's, he's one of the, the greatest, greatest he's ever. one of the greatest athletes ever. Right. And so it's like, how much more are we striving for? But yet you see more discipline in things that are futile than the things that are eternal. Ooh. Yeah. That's good. That's great. Bars. And his records will be bro- will be broken one day. You didn't that's touch that's the that's button to talk. Point. You did not touch the button to talk. <laughs> I wasn't giving my sermon illustration. Do you want you want me to go? Or do you, you want you go? Okay, I the okay. So I'm I'm gonna take you a little bit different here. Ooh. But yet the exact different same. direction. But yet the exact okay. same. All right. So that's completely confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's just pretty pretty basic, but if you're called a runner, you your identity is to run. Mm. Right? If if you're a baseball player, then people associate you with a oh you play baseball. Mm-hmm. And this is this is very basic, very simple, but as a Christian what are we are we a Christ? Is that what is that what people would say about a Christian? Mm-hmm. Right? Like a runner runs, a baseball player plays baseball, someone that records studio, like records podcasts, maybe a producer, maybe someone that does that. But as a Christian, what what is, what is to that, Christ? Yeah. What is to Christian? What what a does dis- that mean? A disciple of. Right, right. And the question I simply have to ask is if you are a Christian. Hopefully you are a Christian. Mm. Are you being an example of what Christ would want us to be? 
are you are you running as a runner would do or are as a christian are you not acting in a way that is anything christ like so this isn't some deep and and super formal and, and informative analogy but the question remains the same the truth remains the same if you're a christian what are you doing what are you acting what are you what are you being yeah. like no dude i was i was actually thinking about that and it's um cuz everybody get i think gets it backwards a little they think oh you're a runner because you run no i run because i'm a i'm a runner right these people who are in in this they're runners and so therefore they will go on runs i have roommates that are runners and they discipline their bodies and go on runs but christians like when you're talking about that where they are named in antioch it was because they represented christ they actually call them like little Christs. Yeah. And so like back to the time when you know why they were called Christians? Is it because they said, I'm a Christian? Yeah. It's because people were like, Man, you act a lot like Christ. Right. And so that's what I was thinking of when you were saying yeah. that. It was called the way yeah. until the Antioch. Way. Yeah. yeah. This is the way. That's good. Dong. Thank you. Dom. So uh, I'm gonna go back to the Olympics. Um, who's the greatest Olympian? Of all time, who's won the most medals? Michael, well, Michael Phelps. Phelps. Michael Phelps. Do we know how many medals? Twelve. Won? More. That's Seventeen. Completely. It's. I believe. Way it, more. I believe. Then give me a I number, believe bro. It's twenty nine. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure our producer could tell us that in just a second. So I yeah. believe it's twenty nine that he has won, and I believe it's twenty three of them are gold medals, which is insane. Now, most people, as far as the Olympics. They may get just one shot at it, one Olympics. Mm-hmm. 28, 28 medals and 23 gold medals. Uh, thank you, Nick. Appreciate that. So uh, they get one Olympics to hit their prime, and that's it. I mean, what if, you know, you're a sprinter and you don't get out of the blocks right away? Mm-hmm. What well, what if you're an ice skater and you you fall? Okay. What, what if, I mean, think of all the a gymnasts and you – do all the flips and but you step backwards and you're out of bounds. I mean, you get your entire life you're training for this one event, and it could be gone yeah. in a, in a flash mm-hmm. in a second, and you can walk away so incredibly disappointed. Now, Michael Phelps is different because he actually was in five different Olympics. That's crazy. He hit it just right. I think he was 15 years old in his first Olympics, oh. and 15, if you can imagine that. That's wild. And then, and then, and then, obviously, five Olympics later, and he he not only wins twenty eight medals, but twenty three of them gold, mm. and some of them were by I mean split seconds, just touch touch on the wall, and he 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 wins, and I'm thinking when I think about this whole idea of like you go into strict training, everyone who competes in the games goes into this strict training. I mean, when Michael Phelps describes his training when he's in beast mode training, insane. it's insane. And he has to even describe what he eats because he has to consume so many calories because he's burning so many calories. Otherwise, he'd waste away. And when I look at his regiment, I look at his schedule, and I look at his training, I sit there and go, oh, my goodness, that's too hard for, too hard for me. That's why there's only one Michael Phelps, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's times, or I, I wonder if there's times when he's like, you know, I'm tired of training. You know, I just want to chill. I want to take the whole weekend off and I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm just going to start filling my cart with, I don't know, Oreo cookies, Mm. milk, a 12 pack of Coke, of course. Of course. (laughs) McAllister's sweet tea. McAllister's sweet tea. (laughs) Doritos. 
Doritos Locos from Taco <laughs> Bell. <laughs> you know, he's filling his cart with all of this junk food, and I'm going to go back, I'm going to be a couch potato, and I'm going to just sit there and binge my favorite show on Netflix for three straight days. Mm. And I'm going to be this couch potato and just consume all this bad food. He doesn't. He doesn't give in to that. Like, we, why? Because he's in strict training mode. Mm. He doesn't do that. I, I sit there and think, okay, for Christians, and, and back to this, the end of this, this, this passage, they do it to get a crown that will not last. So these 28 medals he's won are not going to last. Like, mm. we, we all know that. He, he's not going to take them with him into eternity, and, and they're going to, you know, wither away. And back in the Isthmian Games, back when Paul was writing this, it was, it was a, a wreath that they would have and put as a crown on their head. Okay, literally this 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 wreath of leaves, and they'd spray paint them or paint them spray paint back then, <laughs> but they paint them gold, silver, bronze. Yeah. But they're going to wither, right? They're going to waste away. So, what's our strict training? I'm trying to think. Okay, for us as Christians, what's our strict training? Yeah. And my thought on this is, it's spiritual disciplines. Mm. Yeah. These are the things that we need to be practicing every day. That's our training, and we practice it every day, knowing also we don't do it so that we will receive a crown that will last forever. Right. We do it because we get to be in fellowship with Jesus. Ooh, that's good. That's, that's, that's what we do it for. You know, and while we're in fellowship with Jesus and we are, whether that's reading our Bible, whether it's in prayer, whether it's fasting, whether, you know, any of those spiritual disciplines as we're communing with Christ, that really is our reward. Yeah. But it's in that strict training where we're growing and maturing in Christ that when something does happen to us, when our Olympics hits, whatever that is, mm -hmm. we're ready for it. Yeah. And that, that could be tragedy. It could be a friend going through a difficult time. It could be I'm here to set an example for somebody else, a teammate, a roommate, whatever that case might be. But that's that's our Olympics, and we're ready for it. Yeah, like we're primed for it. And the good news is, it's not just one time that we hit in the prime of our life, the Olympics, or Michael Phelps five times, but it's something every day we get to practice and live out before others. Yeah, it's good. So good. <laughs> Phenomenal. Thank you for bringing that passage. That was definitely a softball one that we all had yeah, something that's, for. Yeah, that's yeah. That was good. It's a good passage. It's good. So good. I was almost, there's too many options. There is, <laughs> like, there's yeah. a lot of Man, options. I, there's so many do? options. Where I just feel too too cliche. Like right. sometimes, yeah. you know, because everybody's like talked about this one before. Right, yeah. So it's like, what hasn't been said? Right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, your, your impression voice is always the same for every impression you do. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> It's good. Love um, it. Unless you want to get, unless you really get to know me. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Then exactly. it changes. Different, different well. people come out. That's right. That's right. And it's, it's an experience. So normally in the modern parables podcast, we move on from the scripture into our random topics. And this week we're unveiling the new random topic random 3000 generator. generator. So Nick, would you please put up the random topic generator onto the screen for us? Oh my days! All right, here we go. So, here we go. Here we go. What is it? Our topic is going to be <gasps> shark, shark, shark. All right. So now, baby shark, shark, shark. Now, baby, normally, baby, what will happen for everyone at home and people on audio? 
Baby. Just kidding. I'm not getting in that. Sorry. All I'm right. Not gonna... <laughs> Whoever can come up with a sermon illustration first will hit the buzzer mm. and share their mm. sermon illustration, mm. followed by anybody else who would like to add on or go in a different mm. direction. So, gentlemen, sermon illustration, sharks. What do we got? For those listening on audio, You're not gonna Eddie Shigley's hand is uh, inching <laughs> closer to the buzzer. Okay. There it is. All right, right. so there's a show called Shark Tank, mm, right? Yes. And in Shark Tank, as you guys know the premise of that, this idea that um, you've got to come up with an idea, an innovative, creative, entrepreneur idea, and you got to sell it. Right. Right. You got to sell it to the to the the men and women that are listening, and they have to decide if they're going to invest in your idea or mm-hmm. not. Right. Well, part of this shark tank idea, because it's it can be vicious, it can be bloody, it can be tough, because let me think about this. They could say, uh, that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to invest in it. It's just cricket, cricket silent. Yeah. Okay. We can go a lot of different directions with this, but this is the direction I want to go. The people that are chosen, it's they're chosen on the basis of their performance, mm. on the basis of their idea. And the cool thing about a relationship with with Jesus, like we didn't choose him, he chose us. And the idea that he doesn't, he loves us because we are created in the image of God. He doesn't love us because we can produce for him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not because we came up with a good idea, not because we can make money doing it, not because we can tithe a lot, not because we can preach good sermons, not because, and fill in the blank, right? He loves us because we are infinitely created and we are precious in his sight mm. because we are created in his image. And it is that it's a, he wants to enter into a relationship mm. with us. Yeah. And it's not a contractual relationship in which they're going to give us money based an investment based on, they're going to get some money back. Yeah. Right. Instead, it's based on this relationship in which it's agape love. Mm-hmm. I love That's you good. period. Not I love you because you can do this for good. me. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. Dong. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to kind of, yeah. when he was saying that, just like stuff kept coming to my mind because it's such, I didn't even think of that at first, but love Shark Tank, always watch it with my family. But what I was just thinking of was those ones that come in that are just like kind of crappy. Like yeah. the, the business ideas that are not good. Right. They don't have a good record. Is like, how much have you sold? We've actually lost money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, we just need some capital. Being, so we yeah, invest. Yeah. Instead of being profitable, they've lost everything and stuff like this. And so all the sharks are like, why would we ever invest with you? You know, like, look at your history. We're not going to get anything back from this. Why would we give you anything? Why would you, we give you our money? Why would you give everything that, I, that we have to you mm. when you have no history, no record? There's no proof that you'll ever come back from it. There's no, there's no hope for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, I get this like picture of just seeing like Jesus sitting there as one of the sharks, and every other shark ripping them, and he's just like smiling and just like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes, I'll do it for sure. And and all sharks just be like, what are you talking about? Do you not see like you're insane? Like, he's lost everything. He's done this. He's done that. They start listening off all this stuff. He goes, I don't care. Like, I love this dude. I love this woman, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the picture that I got, just seeing all these other people saying, You're a it doesn't loser. make any sense. <laughs> because, like, when you look at a person like that, that he spent time with, the tax collectors, right? Yeah. The lepers, the disease, all the weak, all the lowly. These are the people that the Pharisees would be like, why would you ever spend time mm. with them? Why would you ever invest in them? 
they have no future and all those things. And like, <laughs> like on Shark Tank, as fun of an analogy it is, just seeing all the sharks being like, nah, you haven't shown that you're worth investing into. Mm. And he's like, that doesn't matter. Ever since you walked through the door, mm. I was ready to invest. In mm. You know, you didn't even have to open up your mouth. It hasn't changed anything. Yeah. And that's just like the whole picture that I got when you were talking about it. That's great. Good. Good. You got one, Noah? For shark? Yeah. It's okay if not, bro. I mean, I could come up with one. I think we could. But but we're gonna we're gonna hit the random generator again and see what we can see what we can get right here. And yeah, stop. Yeah, All right. right. Monopoly. 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 Prosperity gospel. Let's bring it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Monopoly. For those that this don't is know, isn't it? it is unfiltered. Oh, yeah. This is just this, yeah, it just goes out raw. For those that don't know. Mm. Maybe if you're too young to know what Monopoly is, Monopoly is a board game. Did you, did you hit the button? No, I didn't hit the button. I'm okay. just, I'm just okay, giving a little background. A little background. A little bit of background. Monopoly is a game where you know you make enemies real quick, especially if you're in a family. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you try to bankrupt everybody uh, around the board. Every mm-hmm. other player, you try to buy up all the properties. You try to steal, not steal. You try to get all the money from them by charging outrageous sums for rent and uh, other things. But you, you get you, the point of the game is to be very, very much like Donald Trump, a monopoly <laughs> before he was president and getting all the money, all the money. A monopoly. My, I will say, my parents uh, one time got really, really upset with me when I was playing Monopoly with them. They they called me Donald Trump and they said, "Did they really?" Yeah, they did. They said, "Son, you." You're just a little too ruthless for us. We can't play with you. I was like, all right, great. How old were you? Uh, I was young. I was like 11 or 12 It or just something. came too natural. It's too natural. Too natural. Too they natural. had to create more money for him. Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. All right. So who's got, a, who's got an illustration? Dong. Let's go, no. Way to be dramatic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so oh, gosh. my mom hates this game. My mom hates Monopoly. Mm-hmm. And because there's winners and losers. <laughs> no, no, no. I think she it's just vicious. hates the game. She just hates okay. the fact that she just hates the whole concept of the game. She just hates every part of it. And so growing up, it wasn't one of those things that we, I don't know, we didn't play it often. Mm-hmm. However, my mom did, she, she would play with us. And I mean, I, there's been board games where I've, we flipped the board. We've, we've got mad. We've, you know, destroyed the board, all those different things. And, and people are crying. It's just, Whole fiasco. We're way too competitive in my household. Mm-hmm. But the point is, that my mom hates this game. But yet, she played anyways. Right? Mm-hmm. Paul writes, I've become all things for all people. Mm-hmm. Where I think that's that's the verse. Could be completely that's wrong. It's somewhere in the Bible. It's somewhere in New Testament. But Paul wrote it. <laughs> but just put it shortly, put it frankly, my mom was self-sacrificing in this moment. Because she loved us. She loved her, her kids, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. she's a good mom. Mm-hmm. So shout out mom. She's probably going to listen to this. Shout out mom. Love you. But, you go, Amber. <laughs> but the point is, as, as she self-sacrifices for us, and this goes back to Shark Tank, and, and the self-sacrificing love of the Savior that we follow, I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of my mom giving up what she wants to do mm-hmm. in that moment. There's things that she could have done. She could have watched TV. She could have right. done something more productive. But instead, she took, she took her time, said, all right, I'm going to give this to my my children and and hopefully have a good time without getting too mad or frustrating or, or or whatever it is. But as Christians, I think she just embodied that idea of putting our own needs and wants and desires first and putting it to the, to the wayside for the betterment of mm-hmm. somebody else. Good. I like it. 
Love it. By analogy. It's good. It's good. Anybody else? This is it. I'm having a tough time with this one, to be honest with I'm you. I'm not going to lie. I, I, this is one game I did not play growing up. Dong. Okay. There it is. Here so it is. here we go. Sometimes we think as pastors of a church that we need to have a monopoly of the entire city. Okay. So in other words, here's where I'm going with this. Sometimes we think that um, I need to steal people from other churches. Mm-hmm. I need to take, you know, uh, congregants, shepherds, steal the shepherds, uh, steal, excuse me, steal the sheep from other churches and get them all to come to my church. Okay. And we have this monopoly and we think it's all about our church, small C, mm-hmm. instead of the greater church, capital C. And, and to realize that no matter what city you're in right now and pastoring or going to be a pastor, this idea of uh, there is plenty of people in your city for every church to be filled mm. up. And how can we instead of trying to monopolize, okay, the market, how instead can we be more generous and work with the other pastors in town to see your community come to Christ? So well, I, I just kind of flip it the other way and how Monopoly can be very, very um, toxic. Right. Okay. And self-centered mm. instead of generous with the other churches in town. Yeah. And how we can come together and be unified. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. All right. I think we're at peace with yep. Monopoly. Yeah, let's, let's hit it again. Here we go. And stop. Olympics. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. Gosh. We already <laughs> win. You know yes. what? You know what? I'm going to make an executive decision here. Let's let's do one more. Let's, let's do, do another okay. one. Yep. Cuz we just we did cover the All right, let's see and stop. Thermometer. Ooh. Ooh. Dong. All right, okay, Tyler. Right. So, that's quick. So <laughs> <laughs> So we're not going to hear what Isaac's about to say next, but um we uh, so I've heard I heard this illustration one time. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was here when I was in college that you can either be a thermometer or, or a, th- a thermostat. Yes. Maybe it, maybe it was uh, Eddie Shigley that was <laughs> No. No, this it was great. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. So the idea is what does a thermometer do? It reads the temperature in the room. That's its goal is to it it reads it, it reports it back to you what is the temperature in the room. A thermostat mm-hmm. sets the temperature mm-hmm. of the room. It also, it, it reads and it tells you, but then it sets and adjusts the temperature in the room, mm. right? Okay. I like where this is going. Oh, I love where this is going, I must <laughs> say. I have no idea where it is going. <laughs> so when it comes to being a Christian out in the world, when we're out in our, our marketplaces, wherever we're going, whether it's our job, our career, our any, any space we find ourselves in, are we being a thermometer or are we being a thermostat? Are we bringing Christ into these spaces and helping reset the temperature of the room by by bringing the love of Jesus and the grace of Jesus into the spaces that we find ourselves in? Are we being simply a thermometer and going and complaining to other Christians about our job, right? We're saying, oh man, my boss, he's terrible. I hate him. He's you know, whatever. Amen. And then we all start bashing about our bosses. Exactly. Yeah. And then we start bashing about our friends. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're just reading the temperature in the room mm. without possibly yeah. bringing something different yeah. to change the temperature of yeah. the space. That's Thermometer. That's good. Dong. <laughs> Thermometer. Oh my gosh. G H E R 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, where where my mind went with this, and I and I completely completely agree with that. But I also think at the same time, I think some people don't even know how to be a thermometer at all. Ooh. Like, don't know how to read they don't the even know how they don't even know if the temperature in the room is hot or if it's cold. Ooh. Mm. And so my question is like, are you a broken broken thermometer? Ooh. You know, because because you could come into a space and now for example, I want to talk about the church and just in general, right? And mainly here in our context. And here many times people will be like, Oh, the the worship was so good. The sermon was so good. And I heard on this podcast once where it was like was God pleased with this? Mm. Was God pleased with this? And people were like, well, we, we think so. Like, we sang songs about him, all these things. But you see in the Bible, there are some times, like, God was not pleased with mm-hmm. people's worship. He mm-hmm. was like, I wish, like, the doors of this place would just shut. Mm. And, and you read that in different scriptures in, in the Old Testament. Um, but my whole thing is, are we a broken thermometer not knowing if some place is spiritually, let's say, for the sake, mm. hot, or spiritually cold. Because if you can't assess that, then you can't even be a thermostat for it. It's you good. can't if you're if you're thinking it's a spiritually hot place, right. but it's actually cold and people are like whitewashed tombs, yeah, then it's completely different how you would go about that. Yeah. And so this idea of spiritual discernment, being able to know when you walk into a room where where it's at, and now like that's a that's a that's a gift bestowed by the by the spirit. But I'm just saying, like when you talk to people. Do you simply just look at the fact that they're just singing songs or can do you understand people's heart and where they're at with the yeah. Lord and what the Lord wants to do here? Mm-hmm. You know, because many times I just see people here talking about revival and talk about being spiritually hot when we have four hour worship nights or something like that with song. But then nobody wants to show up and pray together. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's it's this whole idea like, are you able to know where people are are at? Are you able to understand the room? Like if it's a spiritually hot mm-hmm. or spiritually cold, or is your thermometer completely off? Yeah. And if it is, you need to go to the one that can yeah. fix that. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you are you really in tune with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And can you read the the spiritual temperature of the room, the church, whatever? I mean, the reason Paul was able to make so many decisions that he was able to with with just authority. The man was walking and being guided yes. by the Lord, by yes. his spirit. And so it wasn't even a question of some things. Mm-hmm. But for us, we wrestle with so many things. And I wonder how much would be clear if we, if our thermometer was, was corrected by the spirit. Yeah. 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 Good. So good. Yep. I like it. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. Yeah. Let's hit, let's hit up the next one. And stop. Stonehenge. I'm going to be honest. Oh, bro. What, what is it? Stonehenge is in the UK, and it's a mysterious circle of large sculpted stones. Uh, you've probably oh, seen it. Oh, I've yeah. seen the picture. If okay, you've yeah, seen yeah, yeah, Thor yeah. The Dark World, it, it's, it yep. has a feature in Thor The Dark World, I believe. Um, but it's nobody knows how they got there. No- you guys got this one. I, I have no idea. <laughs> um Dang. I'll give it I'll give it a shot. Dumb. And I'm gonna embarrass myself and I'm gonna give Doc yeah. Shiggs a chance to think of think on what he's got going on there, but I'll give I'll give it a shot here. So I have an embarrassing story, so go ahead. Oh geez. Okay, all right. So maybe I'll talk I'll talk about Thor a little bit. Okay, so good. you gotta go fast because if he has a story, it's gonna take up like twenty <laughs> it's, minutes. It's gonna take up twenty minutes. Okay. And then so, Isaac will add on to it. That's so right. Yeah, so half 25. An hour. Yeah. 
So I it, it's in it's in Thor the Dark World if you're a fan of Marvel, you know, Thor is a, a comic book character. But in Thor the Dark World there's a scene where <laughs> Thor's scientist friend uh uh Nick, what's his what's the doctor's name in in Thor the Dark World? Uh the male doctor. I don't. Oh, Eric yeah, Selvig. Yeah. Yes. So Eric, Eric Selvig is at Stonehenge and it's a news broadcast that our other main characters are seeing and uh, Dr. Selvig is running around naked uh, around Stonehenge. I remember this so now. <laughs> he's he's spewing all this stuff and he sounds absolutely he was out insane. of his mind. Yes, he sounds absolutely crazy. So the other main characters then pick him up at uh, at a men- mental institution because he's just spewing nonsense and this is because of something that happened earlier. But you know, they pick him up and they start listening to what he's saying and it's not nonsense <laughs> because all of a sudden the evil creatures from Asgard come to Earth and start invading and, you know, all all of that kind of stuff is happening. So this crazy guy who's running around naked at Stonehenge, everybody thinks he's a loon, but in actuality he is speaking the truth. Mm. And it reminds me of, you know, I, it was either Soren Kierkegaard or C.S. Lewis, and help me out here, that Jesus is either a lunatic or yeah. who, which, C.S. who was C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis. Yeah. He's either a lunatic or he's to be trusted. Yeah. Lord liar lunatic. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Lord liar yeah, yeah, lunatic. Yeah. And mm. and how how often do people see Jesus as a lunatic? Yeah. Even even when we see it in the Word, the Pharisees thought, you know, he's he's preaching something, but. Mm-hmm. We don't like it. Yeah, we he's don't like crazy. It. Right. You know all this mm. stuff. So very loosely tied to Stonehenge, <laughs> I will admit. But but hey, it worked. The point. It worked. It worked. Worked. All right, let's do this. Do you have anything? Oh boy. Oh. Okay. So um, we do a little thing with our kids, and uh, we have these kind of part of the discipleship process. We do some trips with our kids. So when they graduate from college, they can go anywhere in the world they want to go. And so Trey's our oldest, and he picked Israel, Rome, and London, okay? So we hopped around for 13 days in just a backpack. It's all we took, and it was amazing. It was incredible. So we get to London. We're like, hey, let's let's go check out Stonehenge. So Stonehenge is located out in the country a ways away from London. We were in a car. We go out to Stonehenge, and uh, we get there at like uh, 4.35, and they stop taking money at 4.30 to go on the tour. Mm. Now, the tour is not going to start until like 5 o'clock, but, but they stop letting people in and, and paying at 4.30. And we got there like 4.35. And I told the guy, I said, we've, we've traveled like whatever it is, 5,000 miles yeah. to come see Stonehenge, and we can't see it? Like, this is our last day to be here in England. It's like, I'm sorry, sir. So... There's another guy there, and he noticed my frustration. He says, actually, you know, there's a bunch of fields, and there's these roads, these little side country roads that are kind of in between the fence fences, okay? Like these, we consider them alleys, but they're all these fields, and these fields are fenced, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's like, there's little alleys in between the fields where the fences are. He says, you can actually get right up to Stonehenge, and he told us where to go. I'm like, okay, cool, let's do this. So we drove our car and we got off. We're, we're, we're driving on these fields, this grass, and there's other cars there too. And we're like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're good. And so we get as close as we can to Stonehenge and we can see it. Like it's just, it's, it's 
oh, maybe like 50 yards away. And we can see Dang, it. that is close. And there's a fence, and we're kind of standing on the fence. We're only like 50 yards away. And this tour group that we should have been in arrives on the bus that transports them, you know, from the visitor center and to Stonehenge. And all the people get out, and they start walking towards Stonehenge. I'm like, oh, bro, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> So I jump the fence. Of course. I jump the fence, and all I hear is Trey going, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? So I'm going to see Stonehenge. He's like, what, what are you doing? Like, no, we can't do this. I'm like, come on, let's go. So he jumps the fence, too, and we try to get into the crowd and blend in with the crowd. And there's, like, these, the, the tour guides, you know, are, like, also guards or police, you know. And they saw us, they glimpsed us, you know, joining the crowd, <laughs> but they weren't exactly sure who it was. And so we hear this guy from the front, a guy from the back go, I see you, I see you, like, you need to get out, you know, you didn't pay, you need to get out, you need to like, you need, and I'm like, I don't think he saw us, I was going to stay. <laughs> so I stay in the middle of the crowd and Trey's like freaking out, you know, I'm like, ah, whatever. And they grab, <laughs> they grab two other dudes. No, no. Yes. they grab two other dudes and start to escort them off. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, uh, <laughs> no way, no yeah, way. I'm totally really? laughing. I'm totally laughing. And Trey's like, Dad, we can't. Like, we can't allow these two people who paid to get kicked off. And so I was like, okay, son, he's my little Holy Spirit conscience, you know, Jiminy Cricket, whatever. And I'm like, hey, it's us. It's not those two dudes. It's us. So they kind of like, oh, yeah. And I, and I said, hey, I'm willing to pay. Like, you, can I give you the 20 bucks right here? No, 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 no. Can't do that. So they kind of ex escort us off the premises. Mm. So instead of 50 yards away from Stonehenge, we got, Ten yards away. It's right before we got to the circle. Ah, so here's my thought. Okay, is I think uh, there's a lot of people that try to make like shortcuts mm. to get to heaven. Okay, mm. so they sit there and go, you know, whether it is, hey, you know, I just think if you're a good person, you're gonna get to heaven, or um. You know, a God who's a loving God will never condemn anybody to hell, right? But the reality is, there's a price that was paid. Ooh. And that price was Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Mm. And there's only one way to get to heaven, right? And that's through Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the scripture tells us that the road is less traveled and the gate is narrow. Yeah. And you only get through that small gate. Yeah. And you only get through where those tour guides basically show us through that gate to get to Stonehenge. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, the Amen. Son of God. Amen. That's it. And you can't cheat cheat your way into it. You can't cut the line your way into it. You, there's nothing you can do except for through the blood of Christ. So That's good. It. Amen. So good. Stonehenge. Bars. <laughs> I was impressed with that. I had that no good. idea what to do with that. <laughs> I know. You know, it is funny that you're willing to make your son an international fugitive. But <laughs> I was literally thinking, I was like, this this is, if he's saying this on the podcast, it is public information. Yes. Oh, man. Dude, it's an you, embarrassing as, story. Yeah. As soon as hilarious. you started that and started talking about what you're doing, I knew exactly what oh, you were yeah. doing. <laughs> Hopping that fence and getting in there. Yeah. I knew you were None of us were surprised that you did that. <laughs> wonder why. Why would my son be surprised? <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. That's so true. But. Doc Shiggs, 
Thank you so much for joining us today for the thank you illegal activity that you wanted to share with everybody. <laughs> the insight, the scripture passage. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, listeners, for for hopping on and yeah. stay tuned for hopefully more than four cultural topics that we're gonna go through next week. Maybe we'll have a speed awesome. round. I don't know. Ooh, we have ooh, a speed round. There's some speed there's some ideas good. kind of floating uh, out there, yeah. but we'll have to I see. Like you guys it. have to stay okay, tuned good. for for more information, but. We'll see you guys next week. We would also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank the Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Called Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Once again, thank you for stopping by and listening to our crazy sermon illustrations that might actually work. Check back next week for more modern parables.